as I begin to pray over the last month, a phrase came to my mind, which happens, and the phrase was really simple, and it was going deeper. Um, now, over the next few days after that happened, what was interesting is this word deeper came up many times. So if you understand that the Lord speaks in all kinds of ways, you know this isn't abnormal, but it's kind of funny when it happens three times, where the same phrase comes up three times. You're like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I don't need it one more time. I get it. We, you're calling us to go, to go deeper. And the, the picture that was in my mind when I heard this phrase was a picture of a tree, a large tree that had grown and was uh, on the outside looked very fruitful, but I could see the root system was quite small. And it was... Um, not proportional. And I knew that all it would take for this tree to fall over uh, or be uprooted would just, was just one good storm. And it reminded me actually of, um, of some, uh, this was actually two years ago. There was a great, remember a big storm that happened in our area in Western Washington. And at, in our house, we back up to a bunch of, a bunch of homes and one of the neighbors we have this rock wall that's about five feet tall, and then there's a fence, and beyond that fence, there's like six or seven large 60-foot trees. During that storm, one of those trees fell down, broke the fence out, and fell all the way across our yard. Actually, um, I took a picture of it. And so see this one right here? That's, I mean, that's a 60-foot-plus tree. Um, and what you can't see, and I did take a picture of it, but I couldn't find, was I walked up to the root system of the tree because it was five feet high and it fell across our yard like this. And the root system was so small. I, co I couldn't believe it. Here's this huge tree. It's consuming our entire yard, it feels like. I mean, it almost collapsed on our house, but praise God, it fell sideways. Amen. I was actually in the living room. And so if it fell straight, I would have been on a tree or something. I don't know what would happen. But anyhow, um, so tall, so big, but when I looked at the roots, I couldn't believe the root ball was so small and the roots were so thin. I thought to myself, this just is very abnormal and it's quite small for the size of the tree. The arborist came out to meet with our neighbor and essentially told her that all of these trees are not native to this area and shouldn't be planted here. So she had to pull down all of these, pay thousands of dollars to pull down all six of the trees. And now the sun will come out tomorrow. I mean, we can see the sun in our backyard. You can get a tan in our backyard. I mean, I haven't, but we can get one should I choose to do so. Uh, and we could see the planes, of course, flying to SeaTac. But I, I, this is an illustration for what happens because all it takes is one good storm for something that looks strong and big to fall if it doesn't have the proper root system. And the point is this, if we don't go deeper spiritually, we're very much like that tree. If we have very little underneath it all, if we have very little substance with the Lord, and over a year, what we can do is we look back and we see that a lot of our spiritual life begins to erode. You can have a lot of Bible knowledge, but if you have very little in your relationship with God, friends, all it takes is one good storm. Isn't that true? One difficulty. We look at things like what Pastor Scott and some of us are going through. All it takes is one storm, and that's it. It's a collapse. And so how do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? How do we prepare ourselves to not just be strong trees that look a certain way, but actually underneath what you see is even stronger? How do we go deeper with the Lord? One of the ways that we do that is fasting, and that's why the Bible 
talks about it. All throughout Scripture, we find times where God's people united their hearts together. And it's amazing because in a world filled with entertainment and indulgence, I mean, that's just what our world is filled with. It's like this is not a popular topic for us to consider letting go of some things, but we have to remember why we would do so. It's to lay hold of the more that God has for us. And I'll tell you this, you cannot have more if you don't let go of some stuff. You you just can't. You can know all about it. You can teach on it, but you can't have it unless you let go because we only have so much time. We only have so much capacity. We only have so much ability. And so God gives us fasting for a very powerful reason. So let's first start by talking about what is fasting. The Bible mentions it 75 times approximately in the Old and the New Testament. And the word fast literally means to abstain. In fact, the Hebrew word for fast means to cover the mouth because often the Hebrew language will associate some word picture, so does Greek, but even more so, the Hebrew language will associate a word picture that that is connected to the human body, because it's a very ancient language, and so it means cover the mouth. So a biblical fast is almost always when we abstain from food for a time in order to seek God through prayer. Derek Prince said it this way. He said it's to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. There's a reason for it. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus 16 and verse 31, the Jews would, they were required to fast on the Day of Atonement. Now, Orthodox Jews still do the same today on Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. They still fast. That's the only day in the Old Testament that there was a requirement to fast. All of Israel had to fast, it wasn't a choice. There were other times where they would fast for different reasons, whether it was a national crisis or a difficulty, or a leader would call a fast, and as a people they would do that. But in the New Testament, what we find is the church fasted together quite often for breakthrough. As they were moving towards what God was saying or what the Word of God teaches, or they were facing difficulty, they went towards this place of not just prayer, but also uh, fasting. And just to mention this, I won't have time to talk much about prayer, but prayer is the companion to fasting. I just simply won't have time to cover both, and so I want to only cover what, what I can. When you read church history, you'll find many, many revivals were sparked out of a time and a season of prayer and fasting. And also they continued as the people of God fasted and prayed and sought God with all of their heart. In fact, I was reading in John Wesley's journals, the father of the Methodist movement, he would not ordain people unless they fasted twice a week and prayed for three hours a day. (laughs) I just thought, how many pastors will we have today? I don't know if I'd be here. All right. That's how serious it was to them. In other words, the anointing of God, you can't walk in the anointing. You can't have the power of God in your life if you're not that dependent on him, right? He just recognized that it's too easy to be dependent on everything in this life. And if there isn't uh, something in us and there isn't a pattern in our life where we're depending on God, like through fasting, then he didn't believe that you should uh, minister uh, the word. And so I, it's interesting when you read church history, it was so much more common than it is today because fasting requires a level of sacrifice. And let's just be honest, giving up food is a sacrifice. I mean, there's some of you, you might say, well, you know, hey, I just forgot to eat lunch. There are a lot of us in the room, we don't forget nothing like that, okay? We don't forget to eat chips, okay? Uh, 
let alone a meal. Um, but I would tell you that there's uh, a lot to this. No, fasting is not a divine diet. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not like, you know, I'm going to fast. I mean, there is such a thing called intermittent fasting. I do practice that, by the way. Um, but that's not what we're talking We're talking about a spiritual fast. Fasting is not a cure for every problem. So we have an issue in our life. I'm just going to fast. It's not a cure for every problem. We want to be led by the Lord in this. Fasting is not a substitute for other spiritual practices like giving, loving, serving, and praying. Hey, you know what? I'm just going to fast. Well, that's awesome. We ought to fast, but that doesn't mean that we're automatically going to solve our loving problem that we are not offering to the world. Amen. It's not a substitute for the other spiritual practices. It actually works alongside them. Fasting doesn't change God, but it most certainly will change us. We're not looking to get something from God that he doesn't already intend to do. Fasting is not about that. Fasting is not for the strong. We tend to think, oh, yeah, Pastor Ben, you're spiritually strong. That's why you fast all the time. You probably fast every day, don't you? We think it's for the strong. It's for the spiritually strong. It's actually for the weak. Fasting is for, for those who acknowledge I need help, and this is a God-ordained way for me to seek the Lord. It's actually for the weak. Fasting is not about what I can get from God, it's actually focusing more on God's will and asking him to inform my life so that I ensure I'm following him and not just myself. Brings a lot of clarity to who we are and to what we do. We need to understand something. Doesn't it kind of, every now and again, you just sort of think about it on a practical level. It seems just kind of odd. God, you're asking us to not eat, and as a result of that, you'll do something powerful and effective. At least that's what Pastor Ben says. How is that the case? Well, I would tell you this. When you study scripture, you'll find God asks people to do natural things that bring spiritual or supernatural results. He asks us to do natural. Oh, you don't, you're not, you, you, I'm going to prove it. Exodus 14, 16, God tells Moses to raise his staff over the Red Sea as the Egyptians are coming after them. Can you imagine being that guy? I mean, the enemy's coming, and they're going to take you out and take you back. And he says, I want you to put your staff over the Red Sea. And Moses had to figure out what all that meant and what was going to happen. Put your staff over the Red Sea. A natural thing. What did God do? He parted the sea. A natural thing brings supernatural results. Exodus 17.10, God told Moses to go up onto the hill as they were facing one of their enemies, and they were in battle. And God says to him, I want you to raise your hands. And as you keep your hands up, it says that the Israelites prevailed in battle. In fact, there were two other people because Moses couldn't keep his hands up. They had to go up there on the mountain with him and keep his hands up for him. That's how weak he got. But as long as his hands were up, they prevailed in battle. It kind of sounds strange, but here it is. Natural things bring supernatural results. Mark chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus tells a man with a withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. When you read the passage, he doesn't even tell him why. He just says, stretch out your hand. That guy had to stand up in front of everybody and stretch out his crippled and withered hand. But when he did, that thing started to stretch out. Natural things that he asked us to do. What would it be like to be that man? Stretch out your hand. You would not want to do it. Why would I? I'm embarrassed already. But he said, stretch it out. And when he did, it brought supernatural results. John chapter 2 and verse 7, Jesus told the attendants of the wedding, he said, fill the empty wine jars with water. Some scholars say there were, um, maybe they were 20 gallons. They could have been 10 gallons, but they were all empty at the wedding. Fill them up with water. And they're thinking, why? 
There's no more wine. What do you think? You're going to fool people by giving them water? But he tells them to do something natural, and then he does what is supernatural. He always puts his super on our natural because the natural things that we do, if we're obeying God, he brings about supernatural results. And so now we come to this place called fasting. Why would I practice fasting? Because when we do natural things, God brings about supernatural reality. John, or Matthew chapter 6, here's what Jesus says in verse 16. He says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men. But your Father who, who is in secret and who sees in secret what is done in secret will reward you. Notice how he starts by saying, whenever you fast or when you fast, it implies that we will. And like I've said, when you read church history, that's just something that they did. Today, it feels more like it's um, something that we can do, not something that we're called to do. I've been preaching on fasting for at least 15 years, and I can tell you how difficult that it is. It's one of those things like, oh, this isn't the message I wanted to hear in church today. It's not the message I wanted to preach today. But I want to tell you, there's something powerful lurking behind this thing that your flesh screams against. No, I don't want to hear that. I just want to be inspired. No, today we need to be instructed. We need to be instructed in a path that God provides so that we can see something happen that otherwise will not happen. Because natural obedience brings about supernatural results. So fasting is not just an option. It's a normal part of a disciple's life. Like any other spiritual practice, it can be misused. Jesus said that. Don't fast this way. Don't do it in a way to be seen by others. But when you do fast, do it this way because there's a reward for you on the other end of it if you practice fasting and you practice it in a simple way where you're doing it before God and not just trying to look spiritual to other people. If we do things to look spiritual to other people, then he says, you have your reward because that's all you wanted to begin with. I just wanted to make sure people thought I was really something special. And Jesus says, that's bogus. Don't do that. That doesn't work. Fasting may seem like a lot of sacrifice, but the rewards outweigh the difficulty. And you can't know that unless you do that. Amen. You just cannot know. So what is the purpose of fasting? I'm so glad you asked that question. I've got seven things for you, and I'm going to, it's like drinking from a flamethrower. Here we go. (laughs) Number one, fasting restores our pursuit for the presence of God. Mark chapter 2 and verse 18, we studied this together about a year ago. It says, John's disciples and Pharisees were fasting, and they came and they said to Jesus, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? And Jesus said to them, while the bridegroom is with them, or you could just say, while the groom is with them, the attendants of the groom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in that day. What's Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus walked with his disciples. They didn't fast, and the people around them observed that this spiritual practice wasn't a part 
of their company, and they were wondering why. And so Jesus, in response to their question, he uses a wedding as a metaphor, and he's alluding to his first and his second coming. In his first coming, now he's present, and his disciples recognize him as the Messiah. So they're not fasting for and requesting from and longing for the coming Messiah. They're literally living with him. His presence is there. And so Jesus doesn't have them to do such a thing, but he's saying that when he's taken away, when his presence, his physical presence is taken away, he said, in that day, they will fast. Why? Because that longing for his presence and his coming will be restored back to us in between his first and his second coming. There's an ache in the heart of the people of God. I want to be with them. That's that Maranatha, so come Lord Jesus. It says in Revelation that in the end, times. That's what the people of God will be crying out. Jesus, come. We long for you. We want to be with you. And so there is a fast that helps to appropriate our spiritual life and focus us in on the person and the presence of God. See, we have a relationship with someone. This isn't something we do. We have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so it's about loving him, longing for him, being with him. And when we talk about him, we're talking about someone we know. And so our fasting before God is to say, Lord, I want more of you in my life. I don't just want something from you. I want something with you. And so this is the first, in my opinion, and primary reason that we fast, that he returns that longing back to us of our first love. The thing that we've had, the thing that we continue, we have to stoke the fire of loving relationship with Jesus. And as we look back over the year, we can see, friends, come on, you picked up some bad habits this year. I'm not asking for a show of hands. But that's one of the reasons why I evaluate the previous year, because there are good things that happen, and then there are habits that I picked up, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I saying this? Why, what, how did that get into my life? Over a period of time, you can see stuff accumulate, and fasting causes us to step back, and our spirit becomes sensitive, firstly, to the person of God. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to our heart. Here's the thing. People will say to me, Ben, I don't hear the voice of God that clearly. Here's what I want to ask you. Have you fasted? Come on, friends. You can't just, can't just live in this dismal place of like, you know, I don't hear the voice of God and I read the Bible and it's just kind of boring if I'm honest with you. Hey, let's step back and let's fast. And let's ask the Lord, is there anything that you need me to disconnect from so that I can connect more to, to you? that I can hear more clearly fr from you. And so this first reason is that we would focus on knowing and loving him, be restored back to the pursuit of his presence. Here's what somebody said. I couldn't find the name of the author, but in fasting, we are denying something that we need, food, in order to pursue something we need even more, communion with God. Uh, uh, amen, right? Come on, amen. amen. That's, okay, that was... It's a 9 a.m. service. I tell you what, 1130 is going to be real awake. It's like we lost something last night. I'm telling you, I didn't sleep well either. No, I'm just messing with you. Number two, fasting renews our posture of humility before God. Did you know pride is not just the devil's sin? It's also our sin. We can be prideful in many ways, and pride takes on a number of heads. It looks different in all of us, but in our modern world, as far as I can tell, it comes with this sense that we don't need God. 
There is this sense in our world today that we don't actually need God because we have doctors for our health, and don't hear me in extremes today. We have doctors for our health. We have counselors for our soul. We have coaches for encouragement. We have teachers for our learning. We have investors for our wealth. We have television for our entertainment. We have pets for our comfort or whatever else you have pets for. We have elixirs and creams for anti-aging. It just seems like we don't need God. If you add it all up, why do you need God? I'll tell you why you need God. Because all that stuff's going to fail at some point. And then we come face to face with the reality that we might have all of this stuff, but if we don't have him, we have nothing. And so fasting puts things into proper perspective. It's a God-ordained way where we humble ourselves before God before we ever get humbled in life. It's where we make a choice. I'm not going to let life humble me. I'm going to choose to humble myself before God. And that's why God gave it to us in the scriptures. You say, well, Ben, I I haven't heard about that before. You can't know it unless you, for the three of you, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) First John chapter two, he talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and what? The pride of, of life, the pride of life. It blinds us from God. Can you believe that? In the book of Ezra, chapter 8, we read how Ezra was assigned the task of leading some of the Jewish exiles from Babylon back to Jerusalem to bring restoration. And they're excited about that. What they're not excited about is there's a four-month journey, and they're taking their children and treasury with them. And so in Ezra 8.21, it says, I proclaimed a fast at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek him from a safe journey for us, for our little ones and all of our possessions. We didn't just go out there and get on the journey. We didn't just go do it because we knew where to go. We didn't just follow the GPS. We stopped and we said, God, we humble ourselves before you that you would give us protection, that you would give us provision because we're doing this to follow you. We're not in our own strength. And the Apostle Paul teaches that worshiping God is to offer our physical bodies. Look at Romans 12 and 1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. What's What's he talking about? Offer your physical bodies. Friends, I think part of that can be can be fasting. I'm not saying that's the interpretation, but when we're offering our physical body to God, that doesn't just mean what we do, but sometimes it also can mean what we don't do. That we actually stop doing some things so that we can do what point number three is fasting positions us to hear God's voice more clearly. Jesus is confronted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, and he's basically, this is what it says in verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He became hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, if you really are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. I mean, that's tempting when you've been fasting a long time. And he answered and said, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus is saying there's something that we need that I need more than food. 
And I, and I want you to recognize that right now. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I need the word of God and I need the specific words of the Holy Spirit as he's leading me in my life. And fasting helps us to focus intentionally on the Lord and what he is saying in our life. Friends, if there's a void of the words of God in your life or the illumination of scripture or hearing the Holy Spirit, step back and fast. Step back and fast. Cut some things off. Say no to some stuff so that we can hear more clearly from God. You say, well, Ben, is that really going to happen? Yes, it really does happen. It's, how we, it's why we pursue. I believe through fasting and prayer, we receive from God in a way that otherwise just doesn't happen. We see in Acts 13 and verse 1 through 3, I've got a lot of passages. I'm not going to read them all today. But in this, it says that in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. The apostle Paul and Barnabas were there. And it says, as they were worshiping and praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me uh, Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. Look, look at the context. They're fasting and they're praying and they're seeking God. They're worshiping. It's in that context the Holy Spirit said. I believe he said it through a prophet. It wasn't just out of the thin air. Out of the mouth of a prophet, in that context, the voice of the Spirit came more clearly. And so we see this principle that as we fast, or at least one of the components um, that causes us to hear the Holy Spirit more clearly in our life. Number four, fasting prepares us for God's calling as well. And we see that in Acts 13. I just, we just saw that passage. Here they are. This is before the first missionary journey. The greatest missions movement was birthed out of a season of prayer and fasting. The greatest missionary journey was birthed out of a season of prayer and fasting. Andrew Murray says, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for in the kingdom of God. The reason often why fasting is important before we embrace the call of God on our life is because we need to implement sacrifice. We need to implement something that is sacrificial in our life. And when we do that, what we find is that God begins to work through that. And number five, fasting compels us to minister to others in the love and the power of God. There's a lot of things we could read. Isaiah 58, please do read that during this time. Matthew 17, 21, this is where the disciples couldn't cast out a demon, and then Jesus comes down from the mountain, and he casts out the demon. The father was vexed and wanted his son to be free, and then the disciples saw Jesus do it, and they said, why can't we do it? And then he pulls them aside and says, oh, but see, this kind of spirit does not come out except through prayer and through fasting. There are some things when it comes to spiritual warfare that we do not overcome except through prayer and fasting. Why? Because God gave us these things. To pray is to call on God. To fast is to separate ourselves from things that might be consuming or distorting. And so we see the power of God come as we fast. And number six, I'm almost done, guys. Check this out. It's coming. Fasting reveals what is trying to control us. Fasting reveals what is trying to control us. Um, I don't have like a scripture. I think there's a lot of scriptures for, for this, but uh, I was talking to somebody on the phone the other day and they said to me, 
hey, you know, people today, they're really busy. And, uh, and I said, you know, I think the word busy uh, is misused. I think it's overused, but I think it's misused. When I say, hey, I'm really busy, or if you say to me, Ben, you're really busy, what you're doing is you're saying you're doing things that are valuable, but you have a lot of things that you're doing. I, I, I think it sort of ascribes this idea that I'm, um, everything that I'm doing is important, everything that I'm doing I'm supposed to do. That, that's this word busy. Maybe you don't think of it that way, but I kind of do because when they said to me, everybody seems real busy today, I was like, you know what? I think we're more distracted than we are busy. I think that's a more appropriate word. Like I got up in the morning, uh, I was at 6 a.m. and I went out from, I, I drove to 21st Avenue and uh, at that early in the morning, you don't see a lot of cars down the street. I just want you to know because I do it all the time. And as I'm, the light turns green and I'm pulling out this yellow Camaro and if you're driving one, I'd like to talk to you afterwards. Um, this yellow Camaro, like brand new yellow Camaro was going about, no joke, like 80 miles an hour. And I couldn't see it because it came so fast. And the guy almost hit me. I mean, I, if I would have hit him, he probably, he probably could have died. That man was distracted. I'm thinking it was a man. If it was a woman, it could have been a woman. But I think it was a man. And I had to pull over. If there's another car there, I would have hit it. But I'm just saying that person was distracted. There's no, there's no way. that they, they're, just li they're living life in a way where it's dangerous. And I think sometimes the things that distract us, we don't realize they're controlling us. And we don't know that until something real damaging happens. And then we go, oh my gosh, how did this happen? It's because we were so distracted by the things in life that we couldn't see what was even dangerous. We couldn't see what was controlling us and causing us to do things that we didn't want to do and certainly end up in places we wouldn't want to be. And so fasting reveals things that are often controlling us, binding us, holding us back. And then finally, fasting reminds us that we have freedom in Christ. Amen? It's interesting that the medium by which Adam and Eve fell was some kind of fruit. Um, that story is always interesting to me. It sort of says that our physical cravings are so powerful like, I mean, if you've ever fasted for like half a day, I mean, maybe I meet some people and they're like, no problem. Okay, well, not me. I start to feel a certain way. I start to hear my stomach. It's telling me I'm hungry, my, sending signals to my brain. My brain's telling me, eat food, eat food. What do we do in response to that, those physical cravings? Well, in that particular instance, we say, Lord, help me. I want to seek you more than anything else. It's a reminder not just to eat, but now it's become a reminder to seek the Lord. And it's so profound when you think of it. You know, gluttony is not about food. Greed is not about money. And adultery is not about sex. These are just mediums that reveal our tendencies to avoid and evade and cope and just plain disobey God's will. It's not really the issue. It's the issue underneath those things. Gluttony is not about food. It's just mediums that tempt us, that cause us to be distracted from what the Lord is really calling us to. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says this statement. He says, I discipline my body so that I will not become disqualified. What does that even mean? I discipline my body. I tell my body what I am going to do. My body does not tell me what I'm going to do. Interesting. Uh, today, because, and I think there's a right focus on wellness. There's a, lot, a right focus on health today. 
I wonder if we go so far that we don't realize that it's too far. I wonder if in the world today we go too far where it's not that we tell our body anymore what we're going to do. It's that our body gets to tell us. And I know, Dr. Dan, we listen to our body. Amen. There's good signals there. All right. I want to be careful that it's not extreme. Some of us need to hear that today. But the reality is, is that you can go too far in a good thing too, to where it just consumes you. People, so many people today, it's all about exercise and health and wellness and all of that. But how's your spirit doing? I mean, you might be shredded, but how is your spirit doing? You might be healthy physically, but how is your spirit? What kind of spiritual health are are we in? Fasting is not about getting what we want from God. In my view, it's about getting out of the way of God. And I think as we approach this year, we could use more of that. Amen. We could use more of that. So how do we prepare to fast? Um, num- number one, um, I'm asking you to engage with us January 9th through the 29th. I do this every year. It's at least been 12 years, maybe more. And uh, I look forward to it now. It didn't start that way. <laughs> I didn't start going, yes, <laughs> 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, but I am there. I'm there now. And so the Lord would prepare your heart. Number one, pr- prayerfully consider what you're fasting for. I, I-, I think part of the reason why we don't practice spiritual things is because we lose the why. And when you lose the why, you don't even know what you're doing. It, it, right around the corner is just giving up entirely on this thing that we're doing. It's not hard to do. Why do I read the Bible? Why do I pray? Why do I fast? Why do I fellowship with God's people? Why do I do those things? See, if you lose the why, the biblical reason for what you're doing, then all of a sudden it becomes dismal and you're not sure, like it, it becomes blurry. And Lord, why, why, why am I even doing this? Well, I'll tell you, you're fasting for something, not just from. Even when the Lord prunes us, When we prune something, we're not just pruning something that shouldn't be there, we're pruning it so that something else better can grow in its place and be more fruitful. At times we say, well, the Lord's just really pruning me. He's pruning me. Yeah, but he's pruning you for and not just from. And that's the same. What are we fasting for? What are we seeking God for? What are we laying hold of? We have to have that clearly, and we should write that down. The second is prayerfully consider what you're fasting from. And on the website, we have four different fasts. There are several others. There's a lot of help, but we have provided that for you on, the, on our website. If you're going to engage, you're going to have to at least go to the website um, and check that out. So there's a full fast, a partial fast. Um, a f- like what I do is I'm just going to, I eat uh, dinner. So I, I don't eat anything. And then I just eat dinner. I, f- I seek the Lord. And then there are times where we do water fasts as well. But that's what I do. I just eat dinner, and I, I take the rest of the time to seek the Lord. So what are you fasting from? Another, another thing I would tell you is I used to not think that fasting from, like, technology and all that kind of stuff was um, as, as biblical of a fast. But the longer that I've been doing it, the more I realize, actually, I really do think that um, we need to fast from forms of entertainment and media so that we have, like, our spirit can become sensitive to the Lord and when you, like, um, I was talking to a counselor friend of mine, and they said, so many people that come to see them as a counselor, 
um, they usually come at a place of need or a place of unhealth, right, typically. Like you need help, you're in this situation, you need help, or you're just really unhealthy and you don't have any answers, you don't know what to do. And so I, I need to expose my life to someone so they can tell me what's wrong and then what do I, where do I go from here? And they told me in that category where people are just unhealthy and they're seeking that help, and those next steps of where am I and where do I go, often their screen time on their phone at minimum is three to four hours a day. Now, I'm, it's going to go quiet here for a second, but I just want to say that is typical for being unhealthy, is that when our screen time, because look, how many people tell Pastor Ben, I don't have time. I am telling you, we have time. But this is where our cravings are controlling us. Our distractions are controlling us. Our world is controlling us. Fasting, we're taking a step back and we're saying, nothing will control me except for Jesus. Nothing will control me except for Jesus. And I want to tell you, friends, sometimes it takes a couple days of detox so that we can even hear. Why do you think kids have an incredible encounter at camp? It's because they're detoxing from a drug. Did I say it that way? That's what I said. It, it's true. We are detoxing from a drug, this drug, this thing. I need this thing in my life. And we don't realize, we think that it's moderate. It's not moderate. And so you may need to step back from social media, from news, from entertainment, from all that. You may need to take a step back. And that might be far more important than food for you. I used to think it was just food. Now I, I'm, I'm not convinced of that anymore. I think whatever is consuming us in this season, I think we need to fast from it. And so I'm encouraging you to pray between now and next Monday. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to let go of so that the things that I'm pursuing and need in my life, I can lay hold of? And you, you need to know what that is. I can't tell you what that is. But I, I think that food is one thing and entertainment is another. And I'm, I'm actually going to do both. So in case you're wondering, what are you going to do? I'm going to do both. Number three is make a clear plan for the entire duration of your fast. I just want to encourage you to make a plan and stick to it. Um, that's really helpful. If you enter into the fast and you're not sure, trust me, you're not going to fast that much. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the other thing I would do, that you'll see in at point four there, but... While you're fasting, if you engage this time, sometimes you blow it. Like every now and again, I'll, <laughs> I'll be at like a doctor's office or something and there'll be like coffee and cookies and I'll like walk up and I'll start, I'll be eating four cookies by the time I realize and I'm fasting. <laughs> you know, has that ever happened to anybody or am I just the non-spiritual one? I'm like, ang, 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 and I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're fasting. Oh man. I can't even get that right, you know? I can't even... But, that, but you don't give up and then go have a steak dinner. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you're like, oh, I'm just going to go for it. Hey, we're going to Cheesecake Factory tonight. No, no. <laughs> you just move on, man, with life. You know, you made a mistake. It's fine. It's not legalism, okay? You can laugh about it and move on. Uh, but if you're like me, that happens. Um, and uh, I make no excuses. I just let you laugh at me. It's fine. Um, Let's stand. I need to close. 10.30. Here we go. I, I desire, I just, let me, let me say this as I pray. I desire for us more. <laughs> Amen. 
Every parent in the room, look at me. Don't you desire more for your kids? Just more. More than, more than you have, more than you walked in. More of God's presence, more of God's power, more affection for the Lord, more time with him. More into, don't you want that for your kids? The Father wants that for you. God wants that for us. And in the scriptures, he gives us a way, a path. Everything's by grace, but it's by grace he gives us the ability to do this. And so he says to us, I want more for you. Follow what I say and watch what I'll do. It's a challenge, and I give you that challenge today. I challenge you to follow what God says and watch what he'll do, because he says this, for those that fast in secret, the Father will reward them openly. The reward outweighs the difficulties. So as we come to God with surrender, we're saying, what do I need to let go of and what do I need to lay hold of? Because all of this is important, especially as we engage this season of time and walk into the new year. We've got to grow deeper. We've got to go deeper because who knows what we're up against in 2023? Who knows what we're up against in 2023? But if we're with the Lord, hearing him, walking in him, we fear nothing in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have the strength for everything that might come. It isn't going to be one storm or two storms or three storms that's going to knock us over because we can't be knocked over when our root system goes down deep in Christ. Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. God, we give to you this new year. We dedicate it to you. And I'm just asking that you would prepare us, Lord, as we think about and talk about fasting, where we're letting go of some things because of what we desire to lay hold of. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts and share with us things that we're called to do, should do, you want us to do because it's what you want with us and not just from us. And this is that pathway. And I pray, Father, that you would give us strength to do it, to engage it, to lay hold of it. And I ask for a season of miracles as a result of it. Not just because we've proved to you that we're spiritual or we do this and you do that, but Lord, I just pray there'd be a supernatural environment that would surround our church in such a way where we would see the lost saved and disciples made the miracles of God would happen, Lord. We thank you that as we prepare also for two we in two weeks as we have a weekend of healing, Lord, we pray that you would show up in power. God, I ask you to show up in power for all my friends and family, all of our church family. I pray you'd show up in power in our lives, Lord, and to you be the glory. For you, belong, it belongs a testimony, and we thank you for it today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.